0: It's good to be back with you all this Sunday. As some of you know I was away last Sunday on uh, a week off after Christmas, and it just takes a week to feel rusty. <laughs> just a week. Uh, but uh, no, it's good to be here. Um, and essentially, what we're doing. I mean, the Epiphany comes right after Christmas, and today's sermon and the next few Sundays, we're actually going to be responding to the Christmas event. You see, in Christmas, if you were with us, uh, we said that Christmas was the birth of Jesus, God, King of the universe. And that has serious uh, life-changing, world-changing, universe-changing implications, the birth of God in a manger. And so that's what we're going to be unpacking the next few Sundays. My hope isn't just that we would learn more uh, information See, it's very tempting, and sometimes very easy, if you're committed enough, to read enough of the Bible. Maybe you get some commentaries, some YouTube videos, and each one of us can accrue a lot of analytic information about uh, who um, St. Chrysostom said God was, or who did St. Augustine say Jesus was, and we can have knowledge without inward transformation. We can have analytic knowledge of God without relationship. But of course, as we see in the Christmas event, Jesus didn't come to us primarily as a politician. He didn't come as a philosopher. He didn't come as a conquering hero. He came as an infant, meek and mild, and he lived among us, not primarily to teach us information about God, but he came to us that we might have a relationship with him, Jesus, a relationship of love with God. That's the whole point. Now, each one of us has a variety of relationships, be it family, right? You have familial relationships, you have colleagues or professional work relationships, right? And they vary in their intensity, they vary in the the quality of the kind that they are, And then, if you're a Christian, you say, well, I have a relationship with God through Jesus, but what kind of relationship is that? Now, we are tempted to say, well, I can choose the kind of relationship I have with God. God is my sage. God is my teacher. Right? We could say that. God is like a really excellent counselor. I just go to him and I just get some really good advice. But what we saw last Sunday on Epiphany Sunday, is that we don't get to set the terms of the relationship we have with God because God sets the terms. And the Magi understood that. They came and they asked, where is the newborn king? Jesus is a king. And so we have a relationship with a divine king of the universe. Now we get under there. That's... Oh, okay, there we go. Sunday one. That's the first the sermon. But what does that mean? That's got to be the question. Okay, what does, what does king mean? And um, it's worth exploring. This past week, I was watching with uh, my daughter Eve. We watched, uh, we watched it several times and it was just funny to me because I love uh, the movie Cromwell. It came out in 1970 and... Uh, it's about, well, Lord Protector uh, Cromwell during the time uh, great, of Civil War in England. Um, if that's not your wave, that's okay. You don't have to be interested in, in English history. Uh, but I, I think it's a fantastic film. I, I could only recommend it. It's a lot of fun. And Eve loved it because she got to learn that the, the actor playing Cromwell also played Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. Very different, you know, you see him. Anyways, great, great, great uh, career. Uh, it's fantastic, but of course, this is the first time she's getting older. This is the first time that she's watching it, and she's really now understanding a lot of the drama that happens there. Asking questions like, well, what is parliament? Or, like, what is justice? I mean, we had a lot of good conversations, because we're seeing a film about a lot of injustice when it comes to a king who, yeah, is not ruling justly. At least that's, okay, that's my perspective, I guess. So, you know, we could differ on that. But uh, he was pretty, it seemed to me, I told him, he was pretty pretty heavy-handed. He was not using uh, country funds appropriately. He was using the country's money to hire Irish soldiers to attack his own kingdom. It was wild. Kingship is complicated. She said, well, there are kings today. I'm like, well, kind of. But it's a different world today than it was a couple hundred years ago. And it was even more different a couple thousand years ago when Jesus was born. Because when we say that Jesus was born the king, he was born in the light of two other terrestrial kings. Who are they? Caesar, yeah. And Herod. And right away, we're meant to contrast the kingship of Jesus, understand his kingship in the light of what human kingship is. And what is human kingship? Because whatever it is, that left a really bad case in our mouth when we talk about kings and royalty. Because what was happening during the Christmas event? The king from Rome, Caesar, the emperor, what was he? He was completely indifferent to the plight of his people. He was distant and aloof, demanding fealty in the form of tax, money. And we're aware of it. Oh, if there's a king, well, my pockets might as well pull them out, because they're going to take every last bit. And they don't care about us. We feel that about, our, our, about our leadership sometimes, national leadership. We're like, well, they might as well be kings. They don't care about us, and they take. And if they don't, if you don't give, there's always the sword, right? Law by coercion. And we're tired of that. It's an exhausting way to live. So there's that one side of kingship. If you have a coin, that's the first face. But the Bible shows us two sides of human kingship. There's the other side, there's Herod's side. What happened when the Magi came, asking for the newborn king of the Jews? Well, deception and fear settled in. Where is this king? And in his question asking, in his fear, something terrible happened. Now we don't often celebrate it here at our church, but I think maybe we're gonna start. Because if you, you might know, december twenty seventh is the day where the Christian Church remembers those children martyrs. And in fact, all children today who are martyred, crushed under the heels of oppressive regimes and evil. Because Herod, in wanting to get at Jesus, the newborn king, had so many little boys killed. And so we look at those two uh, kings at the birth of Jesus and they're really one and the same. Those are icons, two sides of one coin that we could label this is human terrestrial kingship. It is based on power, it is indifferent to you and me, except to take, right? It glorifies itself and if you don't bend the knee in fear, it will strike you down with the sword. And not to be too simplistic, but that, you could put that on every major dictator and king in human history. You could put that. You see, human history is, in a sense, terribly boring, and how chronically cyclical it is. I say that we, we outline a lot to say it's understandable, I think, to feel kind of queased and say, Jesus is my king. I, you know what? It makes sense why we would hesitate, why we'd feel weird about using that language. Oh, king, I don't know, king, no, like, teacher, sure. I might even say savior, but king? And that's who he is. But what kind of king? What makes Jesus so unique? Today we saw, we heard in the readings about his baptism. So in a sense we could say first, Jesus is the king in the water. That's who he is. What could that, what could that mean? We learned that uh, in, this, in today's gospel reading, we have the scene. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, has a ministry of calling the people to repentance of sins. Turn away from your broken sinful lives and as evidence If you're turning from sin, come to the waters and be baptized. And so people were coming by the hundreds and the thousands, coming to John. Yes, everything in the world is broken. Everything is wrong. We're wrong. We want to be cleansed. Yes, we'll join in the waters. We'll have our sins washed away. And as all those hundreds and thousands are coming to John, there shows up one unique individual. I'm sure John saw him. And it would have been really weird. It was Jesus. And Jesus comes to be baptized. And John, as we know from the gospel readings, says, what are you, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be, I shouldn't be baptizing you. you. You should be baptizing me. You're the guy. You are the one we've been waiting for. I, what do you mean you want to be baptized? And then we know that Jesus, in one of the gospel's responds to John, no, no, we're going baptize me so that all righteousness must be fulfilled. Cryptic little saying. And then John, in obedience, baptizes Jesus. Jesus goes into the water. Now, that might not seem like much to you right now, but I want to tell you that's a really big deal. Because it seems so bizarre. Because Jesus, if there was one, we're all sinners. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, I just know that. I'm not trying to, I'm a sinner, we're all broken. We all know what we do, and we regret it and we feel bad or worse off, sometimes we don't feel bad, but we're we 're broken, and we need to repent, but Jesus is the only person, the only human who's ever lived who never had to repent. Why would he ask to be baptized? You see baptism is a really, it's a mystery, so I can't say too much about it, but I'll say this, this is what we need to know about Jesus. Unlike human kings who are so keen on creating a distance from, from us regular folks, kings are enshrined in power, enthroned in glory, money, servants distance. You show up, you keep a distance, you put the knee down, you don't look at them. Jesus comes to us. He draws so close. In fact, Jesus draws closer to you than anyone has ever come close to you. Closer than anyone could. Because when Jesus goes into the water, when John says, no, I shouldn't baptize you. You're you're sinless. You're, you're, You're the guy. You don't have to be here. Jesus says, I know I don't have to be here. But we're going to fulfill righteousness because when I go into the water, I am taking on your problem, John. I'm taking on everyone here, waiting to be baptized by you. I'm going to take on their sins into myself. I don't have to, but I will take on that responsibility. Does that sound you? How does that make sense? I, um... I was watching this uh, documentary not too long ago, and it was canvassing um, different justice systems and prison systems throughout the world. Different countries have different ways of doing that, and in in one of the prisons, they were contrasting a prison uh, system, I'd say in Norway, and how um, I guess enlightened or very comparatively gentle they are out there compared to a a prison found in Gambia. And in this prison in Gambia, they were interviewing some of the inmates and uh, sort of the rules that these inmates would have and how they deal with each other. And there was basically a gang leader, a prison gang leader in a Gambian prison, saying that every time a new inmate comes in, they're vetted by the local gangs. Especially if they want to join, because you want to join a gang to be safe-ish in a prison. And so if they want to join his gang, he says he asks them one question. And if they get it wrong, it's basically a death sentence. But if they get it right, they become brothers. Here's the question. This is the question they would ask, they would ask. The gang leader asked the incoming Selma, if it's raining outside, if we're outside and it's raining and you have an umbrella, what would you do? And so you think about that, well, this sounds pretty easy. Oh, I would open the umbrella and I would put it over you so you'd be dry because you're the leader. And you said, if they say that, they're in trouble. That's not the answer. You think that's the answer, that's not the answer. Or you would say, oh, I take the umbrella, I give it to you, of course, here you go, here's the umbrella, and you can use it, and I'll I'll be here, and you can use the umbrella, right? That's very, you're you're the servant, you're the master, and you say, that's the wrong answer. The right answer, what do you do if it's raining and you have an umbrella and I don't? The right answer is, I take the umbrella and I throw it in the ground and I stand next to you, and we're wet together. Interesting. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have guessed that. But what that, in a very broken system, what that gang leader was describing is what we all need in here, in this system, is people who draw near, who identify with us, all the way. At its best, that's what i trying to get at. Now, what that? Well, he. Did, I don't know if he knew that, but what that prison leader. Uh, Uh, gang leader wanted so desperately is actually what Jesus offers us. Because that's what Jesus does for us. See, Caesar says, pay me tax and I'm going to sit in my imperial throne. Right? Give me the money, I'll stay stay aloof. And if you don't, Herod says, I'm going to kill you. But Jesus doesn't do that. He's the king who draws close to us. And he says, I see the problems that you have. In fact, I see that you're hostile against me. You don't want me to be king. You don't want there to be a God that you have to swear fealty to But in your hostility towards your God, in your hostility and host- towards your creator, I will still love you and I'll draw close to you and I'll draw so close to you that I will go into the waters and take on your brokenness and your hurt onto myself. I will identify with you. You don't even have an umbrella to give me. I do. My life. And I will stand next to you. How touching. Because it is. Now you might say, oh, what a beautiful symbol that Jesus did there. What a beautiful drama that makes me feel warm inside. And I want to say to that, stop. It's more than that. Because later Jesus talks about the baptism and he says, oh, I have a really challenging baptism to undergo. Later. And I'm sure his disciples would have been like, what is he talking about? Because that just happened. He has a baptism to undergo. He just went, he just got out of the water. He's fine. A little wet. A little dove. God's voice. Later? Yes. Because if he didn't know, When Jesus talks about his baptism that he has to undergo, he's talking about his cross. You see, when he goes into the water, he's saying, I'm going to fix what hurts you. I'm going to save you. And the baptism that he begins essentially in that water, the troubles he takes to himself, he walks three years and he walks to Golgotha and he accepts his death for you, for me. Because that's what it is. The waters are his death. That's why in the baptismal service, if you've been part of it, maybe you were baptized as an infant so you wouldn't remember but when you're baptized, we say, as St. Paul said, we join Jesus in his death in the waters. As we go down, we join him in his death because we come out we join him in his life. But of course we don't die. At best we just get wet and wrinkly skin. Well, we don't die because Jesus died. He's not the king that comes asking or demanding money or fealty. He's the king who draws close. He's the king among us. He comes among us. And even when we our anger with him, even when we resent him, even when we hate him. The worst kind of hate, you know what the worst kind of hate is? Complete indifference. Even when we're indifferent to God, he draws close. He never lets go. That's who he is. A king among us who never lets go. I was thinking about this with Britt you know, I told you I talked to her I gave her my sermons before I gave them to you and we both sat there and thats I, I felt very encouraged I was feeling very low this week um, you know, human being emotions and it's hard to feel kind of uh, feel kind of blue and then try to write a sermon that ends with kind of hope it's very easy to end very <laughs> uh, repent uh, but I was like what's the hope here because I need the hope first I know you do too I'm going to tell you something just to wrap it up Every time I come here, and every time you come here, we share this room and we know each other and we don't know each other, right? Each one of us has a life. Each one of us has a story, love, loss. You look back into your life and you're like, well, the things that I I think I achieved or the roads I didn't take, how does my life make sense? What meaning does it have? Did it ultimately have any real significance? What am I doing? I feel that. I'm human, and I think maybe you feel that too sometimes. I don't want to put that on you, but you have your questions, essentially asking for the explanation of your existence. How do I account for myself? And you look at kings in this world, and all they can do by their very existence is show you how little you are, because you look at them and they seem so big. And that's what they want you to feel. If you're low enough, you'll easily bend the knee. And we're susceptible to that. But do you want to know what the baptism of Jesus can mean? It means so many beautiful things. I'll just put one today. You know what it means? Is that when Jesus came to the water and he identified with us, he imbued our human life, your life, my life with eternal significance. In other words, she's is saying, no matter what you do, you go into work day in, day out, and no one's recognizing you, my life, my very reality is imbued into yours, it has meaning, I see it, I'm near, I'm there with you. It's not lost on me. And for all the time that you haven't been acknowledged or celebrated, I acknowledge you, and I will celebrate you. I love you, it's not lost. Whatever things that you've done, where you feel terrible guilt and shame. The things you don't talk about with people. That you feel broken inside. Or you feel alone. In the little cubicle of, I've just done this and I can't talk about it. Well, you know what? Jesus already sees all that. And he's there with you. He's there with me. And he's saying that I'm the king and I see it all. And I love you. I'm here with you. I'm in the water with you. I'm in the rain with you. In fact, I've taken care of it already in the cross. If only you trust that. And when you don't, I still love you. I'm still here. Our lives have been infused with the life and love of Jesus because he's joined us in the water. And there's great comfort in that. There's great hope in that. I was telling my sermon to Britain. I was like, my goodness, I feel encouraged. Preaching. (laughs) I felt kind of silly, I guess. I want you to know that you're not alone. Not because I'm saying that, that's what Jesus is saying. He's with you, even now. And I hope this season we get a chance to to experience that. The love and compassion of the King, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you are the King not aloof, not indifferent, but you join us in our brokenness. You join us in our journey, trying to sort out what it means to live and to follow your God. You're not just waiting with a little table, seeing if you follow the rules. You're just here with us. And God, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here. Um, There are things in our lives or narratives run in our minds that mute your voice, that prevent us from accepting your love and your presence. But I would pray that you With your supernatural power, we'll remove those things that mute your voice from our lives. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to receive your love. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the only King. Amen.